Do you need to sell your home? If you've sold a home before, you remember how stressful and expensive it was. Sold.com is here to help you sell your home for the most money and with the least amount of stress. There are new ways to sell your home that you've never heard of before. Did you know there are companies who will offer you cash for your home? Did you know you could trade in your home for a new one? Did you know there are realtors who will sell your home for a flat fee instead of an expensive commission? It's true. Sold.com services are free. So if you're looking to sell, make this free phone call right now and learn how your next home sale can be faster and easier than you ever thought possible. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 800-948-6826-800-948-6826-800-948-6826. Again, that's 800-948-6826. The views and opinions expressed in the following program are those of the program's participants and do not necessarily reflect those of station staff, management, and advertisers. They were there when history was made. Rackham Tour is a storyteller. Welcome to the Sports Rackham Tours. And with two out, you talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. Lewis gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! LeBron James at the buzzer! The Sports Rackham Tours dusts off the great American art of storytelling. From the players, coaches, media, the people who were there. Smith corks one in the right down the line. It may go. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. It's a home run. Go crazy. Now, here's Stephen Maggi. Welcome to Sports Rock and Tours, a show that presents the observations, recollections, and memories of a select group of storytellers who represent the past half century or so of American sports. It's NFL playoff time with the annual tournament that leads to the biggest event in American sports, the Super Bowl. And when you think back about the great dynasties of the past, many teams come to mind. The Patriots, 49ers, Packers, and many more. One of those great teams had to be the Pittsburgh Steelers of the 1970s. The team had gone through decades of futility until our guest got involved. His dad owned the Steelers since 1933, but it was Art Rooney Jr. that helped build this team through some of the greatest drafts in the history of the National Football League. Many football experts will tell you what, in their opinion, is the greatest NFL franchise of all time, and quite a few of them would say the Pittsburgh Steelers. Since the 1970s, they've really dominated the sport, particularly those 70s Steeler teams, and with us is one of the architects of that, Art Rooney Jr. You probably recognize the name. The Rooney family has been running the Steelers for as long as anyone can remember. Art was the personnel director from 65 to 86, and then now currently a vice president. He's been that since 87. Art, I'm dying to ask you, before you came along, the Steelers as an organization didn't seem to think much of draft choices. They they, they, they traded away a lot of those uh, high round draft points. You come in, you change the philosophy, and that was really the change of the team uh, becoming great. Was that one of your things when you, when you first started, like you knew you had to build from the ground up? 
Oh, yeah, that, that very, very much so. And uh, we had Buddy Parker was a real top coach and a, kind of a brilliant guy and uh, had some real uh, hang-ups. You know, uh, he would get down on himself and everyone else. But my dad was very, very fond of him. I, and I really ne- didn't get to know him too, too well. When I first started out, you know, he was, was the guy there. But, you know, my brother Dan told me something uh, a few years ago. He said, you know, the thing that killed Buddy, and I was going to chirp in with all the uh, extra extra things. And he said, no, it was the start of the uh, American uh, Football League. You know, and uh, he said, because that, you know, Buddy could always, he was a great film watcher. And he he could always, uh, you know, pick up some good football players. Uh, a lot of them maybe were considered older, and uh, you know we find out nowadays that they stay in shape and stay off the booze and that stuff, and you know they can play a little bit longer than the, in the old days uh, that, that they thought they could play. But Dan said to me, he, he said that the, the other league coming in took uh, over 300 players, you know that were, were up for grabs, and he was an expert getting those old uh, re- players and retreading them and. Uh, and you know, again, a real, real smart guy, and uh, he kind of let the players uh, alone. You know, when they got here, I'm talking about extracurricular activities. And yeah. but I'll tell you something: he had a phenomenal, uh, fast temper, and boy, he would go after the players. And Bert Bell told my dad one time that when when Buddy was with Detroit, he put the whole team on waivers. And yeah, that 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 was a great team he had up there, you know. But um, but you know, and I I uh, start ask my dad if I could uh, you know, start working with the Scots because I had become friendly with a few Scots and uh, like Jack Butler and and Ken Stilley and but Butler's a name that you know people would remember. And uh, the thing was that uh, you know in the current situation, you you had to build the team through the draft and. You look at Dallas was doing, the Rams were really one of the founders of it. Mainly those two teams. I don't want to take anything away from anyone else, but they they were the two gurus, you know. And, uh, yeah. Well, you were a scout, like you were saying. You're coming in. Now, did you have to uh, kind of work harder? I'm thinking that you might have been looked as a nepotism pick at the time, yet you ended up being really, really good at this. Uh, did that kind of like drive you a little? Did you hear much of that stuff because of your last name? Yes and no, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I got access a lot of times because of the name. and other, you, know, you know where I got that pretty good access is at the black schools, you know, because you know, the younger son showed up and uh, you know, the, the, the black coaches would say, you know, just give our kids a chance, give our guys a chance. All they need is a chance. And that was really the truth because, you know, you got a guy like Chuck Noll and, of course, Paul Brown and... Uh, yeah, the, the, the Paul Brown uh, acolytes, if that's a proper word. They really uh, believed that. And, and Shula, too. Shula's always are so nice to me. You know, you had to develop players and coach players and that stuff, you know. And more so because there so many, got to be so many teams, you know. Yeah. Well, you guys were kind of ahead of the game with that, going to these uh, African-American schools and so forth. Well, and- you know, a thing happened that was very interesting. You know, I would go down, they always treat me well, and like I say, they would always... Uh, they were impressed that the owner's son would come down. I don't know if they thought that maybe I, you know, I was the uh, the loser of the family, and they stuck me at <laughs> scouting players. But that wasn't the case. They, they you know, they were, you know, I worked at it, you know, and uh, 
And my dad told me once, hey, I don't drink, and I did not really drink. And uh, my dad told me, uh, you know, take some of those other scots out and the coaches for dinner and find out the top restaurants around, but no booze. <laughs> and uh, being Irish, I guess that was kind of a family thing. Yeah, but uh, but I never drank too much, and then I got to the point I never drank anything for years. And currently, I don't. Yeah, but I was always on the road, and uh, you know, I really liked the job. I really thought it. Was, I really thought it was important. And my dad called me into his uh, office. Uh, one afternoon, and he said uh, he had a guy named Rick Roberts here with him. And Rick was uh, uh, one of the uh, sports writers for the Pittsburgh Courier, the black paper. And he said, uh, you know, they were both very nice, but you know, jumping on me that I had to bring on and the, the sports editor of the Courier. They had to help me out, and I, I didn't. I was always afraid my dad was going to use this as a political thing, you know, giving jobs to people who weren't <laughs> any good at it. You know, I, in fact, I never read the Courier. I used to look at their uh, their All American teams and that stuff, but uh, you know, I never really read the stories and that stuff. And but Bill Bill Nunn was the uh, became the editor, but he's the sports editor, and his dad was the uh, one of the top top writers in the country. But he he was like thirty years before his time. You know, because he, he, Dad always told me, he says, uh, Bill Nunn Sr. should be working for a major paper, you know. So I was supposed to meet with Bill Nunn Jr., you know, the sports editor in, in my office, which was in the uh, back rooms at the, uh, the the old hotel, you know, the old Roosevelt Hotel. And uh, so he he shows up, and I'm a real good-looking guy, Bill was. And I, I'm looking at him like... Uh, Boy, this is going to be a, getting to be a political thing and a racial thing. And he's looking at me. The only reason this stuff got the job is this old man owns a team. You know, I mean, this is going on in my mind and probably his too because looking at him, you know. Yeah. And, but I talked to him about uh, half hour, and we agreed on everything what we had to do, what should be done, and uh, yeah, yeah. And I was, uh, you know, not against the, the black players. I never felt that there could be too many of them. And, and so he started to work for, work for me, and uh, from that time on, when I got to the black schools, I got a tremendous reception. More in a moment with Art Rooney Jr., who was inducted into the Steelers Hall of Honor as a member of the class of 2018. Remember, all of our interviews can be found at Apple iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Sports Rockin' Tours with Steve and Manchie, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. Well, this is Dr. Phil talking at you. You know all those messed up kids you see on my TV show? Well, they're not book readers. Your kids need something fun to read. That's why I recommend American Stonehenge. It's a modern adventure story filled with great characters and mysterious plot twists. For a free preview of the first four chapters, go to jimmyandandrew.com. That's jimmyandandrew.com. Use promo code RICH25 and receive a 25% discount. Go to jimmyandandrew.com and use promo code RICH25. Get your kids reading. That way, they stay off my TV show. 
What were you thinking? Celebrity Voice Impersonated. Now you can get generic Viagra shipped to your door for about $2 a pill. Get the same impact for less. Call Steel Man Pills now and get the same blue pill for about $2 a pill. Call now for the 50-pill special and save even more. Plus, get a free bonus. 800-979-4317. 800-979-4317. That's 800-979-4317. Did Louis the Coin really soak the sheets with red wine in Rome? Yes. Did he really tell a federal court after testing positive for cocaine in his 70s that he only used coke for sex? Yes. Well, you can get these tales and more in the great book, You Thought It Was More, Adventures of the World's Greatest Counterfeiters. It's available now at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or at louisthecoinbook.com. That's Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or at louisthecoinbook.com. Who said that? Me, down here. What are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. Well, uh, what are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. Don't you remember me? Don't you know that we miss you? Miss me? Who misses me? You know, all your friends in the forest. The trees, the pond, that little fort that you made out of branches. We all miss you. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. Oh, I guess that makes sense. This forest is not that far away. Have an adventure today. I'm sure your mom would take you. You're right. I should get out. I want to have fun. Play in puddles, catch frogs, and climb trees. Hey, Mom! Yeah, hon? <gasps> Stephen! What is that in your hand? It's my sense of adventure, Mom. It's telling me we need to get out of the house and have some fun in nature today. Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. You are cheap. No, I'm not. You are cheap. No, I'm not. You are cheap. No, I'm not. You are cheap. Well, maybe I am. If you're buying a diamond ring for your wife, it's not cool to be cheap. If you're buying airline tickets, it's very cool to be cheap and called Trip Amigo, where you can fly anywhere in the world and save up to 75% on over 500 airlines and 300,000 hotels, plus rental cars and vacation packages. Visit family, friends, or go on a -a once-in-a-lifetime vacation. Go ahead, be cheap. We have special fares we're not allowed to publish. When you book your airline reservations with Trip Amigo, you'll spend your travel money when you get there, not by getting there. Call Trip Amigo now and mention the travel code AMIGO and save even more. Call Trip Amigo now. 701-581-9605. 701-581-9605. That's 701-581-9605. You're listening to Sports Rock'em Tours. Now, here again is Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Art Rooney Jr., who in 1965 was hired as the Pittsburgh Steelers personnel director. You know, my, my, my other guy was uh, Jack Butler. He is a, was, became a Hall of Famer, you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. and he was in scouting. And, uh, and you know, we just talked and talked and talked and then none got into it. And uh, I, I learned so much off of Bill Nunn about everything, you know. I told him, I said, you're the biggest cynic in the world. He says, I, he said, I just call them as I see them, that's all. He, <laughs> said, he said, you're one of those rich kids. You don't see things a different light than I do. Then later on, he told me, you know, he says, for a rich kid, you're pretty street, street smart for a rich kid. I said, heck, I grew up on the north side of Pittsburgh. We didn't have any rich people there except us, you know. <laughs> yeah. And another guy named uh, 
Dick Haley, and I, I mentioned Butler, but uh, but Dick Haley uh, was a pit player and ended up playing for us. And, and he needed a job. My dad said, uh, you know, he was on the injury list or something. He said, he's a good guy, a good kid, a good kid. You know, he said, he said let, let him help you out. Let, help me out. He became the personnel director. I, I became the the uh, vice president dash personnel. And then, then he, he left us and he went to... Uh, must have been there 20 years, you know, through those real good years. And then and they went up to the New York Jets, and he became their personnel director for another 15, you know. And, wow. So I really had good people working with me, you know, and, uh, you know, real good guys. And we we got along real good. But we, the big thing was cover the schools, work hard, you know, by, by making the trips. And that was, that was very, believe me, that was, am I talking too fast for you? you know? No, of course not. <laughs> of course not. But I, I bet, you know, it was very difficult for your family. You, know, you put so much of the stress of uh, raising the kids. Well, you know, the scouts and personnel directors, I'm glad you're talking about all this because do you feel like they don't get sometimes the credit they deserve? I mean, without that, this whole idea of the draft is wonderful, but there are reasons that some teams do better than other teams, and I think that comes right to scouting and personnel. Oh, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And uh, and it's the attitude of the coaches and management. and You know, they all have to be on the same page. You see what I'm saying? Noel, Noel came in and... Uh, he was a very, uh, you know, intelligence, football intelligence, you know, athleticism and football intelligence and, uh, you know, the desire to play it and be tough in it. And, uh, you know, there's an interesting thing about Chuck, about quarterbacks, because I always thought the first number one thing that a quarterback had to have was a strong arm. And uh, he, he told me, uh, we, we went on over every word on the scouting forms, you know, every word. It took time and time and again. You know, and all of us were... Yeah, maybe me, but you know, none, and you know, the other scouts we came up with, you know, just what he was looking for, what he thought. But in the quarterbacks, a guy named Don Heinrich, he used to be a quarterback with the Giants, had gotten in scouting, and then he got to be one of our coaches before Noel. And I asked him, he's a real personal guy, he's a good pal of mine. And I, I said, what's the most important thing in a quarterback, Don? I said, strong arm, I guess, best has to be the best. He said, no, no, he says, quick release and accuracy. He said, yeah, yeah, that was, you know, live arm, and it's quick release and accuracy. When Chuck came in, and we were going over every player, every, you know, factor, the critical factors, the supporting factors, you know, we got the quarterbacks. We had a number of strong arm, even though, you know, Heinrich had told me that. I said, well, what? he said, uh, strong arm, yeah, you have to have a, you know, an arm strength. He said, but the main thing for a quarterback is to have quick release and accuracy. And I, and I said, well, yes, what Heinrich told me, you know. But, I mean, I'm just giving that one example, but we went over everything, you know, over and over again, you know. And, uh, and, I, and I asked I asked Chuck uh, when he came in, I said, because I knew you, you, you could not ra- win if you were racist. I mean, you know, there's more to it than that. But, I mean, basically, you know, you're going to be a racist. You're, you're going to be always operating from behind. And I told Chuck, you know, how I felt about it. And he said, he said I, I, color means nothing to me. It's, you know. Athleticism, football intelligence, and attitude, and toughness, and things like that. And I said, "Yeah, that's that's the way you feel." But I said, "But what, what about your uh, assistant coaches?" I said, "One what, what of them have a, have a beef against you know too many black guys." And that he said, "If I find that out, I will fire them on the spot if it's right out in the middle of the field." And I, I told that to Mrs. Noll one time. She said, "Well, he he meant that. He would have done that." So we we never had that attitude. And, we, we had a couple of drafts. I don't think we drafted a white guy. He, he was 
he was a very strict, uh, I, I, I venture to say stern. Well, you know, let me ask you something. This is a great opportunity for me. I used to cover the the Oakland Raiders way back. Al Davis said, and I always wanted to know if this was true, that the Steelers were gonna were gonna get rid of Bradshaw. They were going all in with Joe Gilliam, and he he went over and talked to Chuck Knoll and said, "Hey, you know what? You should really stick with Bradshaw." Now, is that story true? You know, because I I know Al wasn't let really me, interesting let, guy. Let me put it this way: there are elements of the truth in there, but not. 100% true. He was very patient with uh, with Terry, and uh, Terry was a gift. I mean, he, well, he was a talented guy, and he, he was playing smart enough, but he had distractions, you know what I mean, you know, you know and the concentration and that stuff. But, you know, I remember Bradshaw asked me one time, he said, you don't get along with Noel, neither do I. I said, well, if we get along with him, we don't. I said, he, he made me look like a genius and Terry was still playing years later in his career. I said, and made, made you uh, a Hall of Fame football player. And, uh, and so ter- Terry uh, was being interviewed a few weeks later on the uh, TV. It must have been TV. And here he repeated. And I, I just didn't even know if Terry was listening to me. He, he repeated everything I said. It's like <laughs> it was coming from him. You know what I mean? That's a man. Well, that tells me something. You know. I, I was at a uh, Boy Scout affair down in Palm Beach. And, and Bradshaw was the main speaker. And so they had like a little green room, you know, sort of type of thing. You know, you hung out before the speech just all started. And then I was like the first one there. And so someone, I don't know who it was. I don't know it was a newspaper guy or a guy like you. I don't know. He said, uh, is it true that you drafted Bradshaw? And I didn't even get a chance to say yes, no, or go to hell. <laughs> and I hear this voice, hey, way across the room. There's Art Rooney Jr. He's the guy that brought me to Pittsburgh. <laughs> I mean that—that that, that was one of the things like a, a, an upper moment, a, a moment in your life. <laughs> I mean, you're a little modest. I mean, the team you helped build from that because I remember that back in the late '60s, the Steelers were not good. They were—it was rough. And you guys hired Chuck Knoll, and together you did some amazing things. I mean, talk about like like your philosophy from the start, and then, of course, 1974 might be the greatest draft any team's ever had. That, that, well, that, that was the greatest draft in history. Everyone says it is, and it is. You know, you, we, we, we drafted Swan first, you know, then Lambert, later with uh, you know, Webster. You got Stallworth in that, too, and, didn't you? Yeah, Stallworth and, and Shell. Donnie Shell was a free agent. That was Dunn's guy. Yeah, you know, none came in from a scouting trip, and he was down at South Carolina State. And they had this, this linebacker, and he was like five ten and a half, and he was really great. The coaches were pushing him and stuff, and I just thought he was too small. So Bill came back from a signing trip, and he says, Art, Art, I got that guy that we loved. And I says, what guy do we love? I went down there to Chavez. You know, he's a, end up a first-round pick. And he says, Donnie Shell. I said, Shell? He says, yeah, yeah, he's a linebacker. He's got to be a defensive back. I says, a linebacker? I said, he'd be a midget for that. And he says, he was five ten and a half or something. You know, and, uh, I, was a, I was kind of kidding. He says, he's very smart. And I said, yeah, and he's uh, he, he, you know, a tremendous guy, a very religious guy and all that stuff. The guy ended up becoming a you know, Hall of Famer. Coming up, more with Art Rooney Jr., the second son of Arthur Rooney Sr., founder of the Pittsburgh Steelers Football Club. You are listening to Sports Rock and Tours with Stephen Maggi nationwide on the Talk Media Network. 
Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Peter Fonda, scion of Hollywood royalty, is probably best known for his Captain America, the hippie on an existential quest in the early indie film classic Easy Rider. 28 years later, he quietly re-emerged as a Florida beekeeper in Yuli's Gold, which earned him an Oscar nomination. Yuli Jackson is a moral, self-sufficient man who runs a business producing golden, world-renowned Tupelo honey while raising his two granddaughters by himself. Their mother, Helen, is addicted to drugs, and their father, Yuli's son, Casey, is serving prison time for robbery. Yuli's quiet world is shattered when he finds he must save Helen's life by retrieving her from her enablers, Casey's partners in the robbery. In so doing, he discovers Casey has hidden their loot. His former partners in crime want it back, and they will kill the children if Yuli doesn't find it for them. Yuli's gold is an almost forgotten little gem in which we feel the slow pace of life in hot, humid central Florida and learn a lot about bees, rich honey, and human nature. Like the best of films, it reveals the inner workings of complex characters. There is atmosphere, danger, redemption, and a love story where long-closed hearts may yet be opened. Indie Film Minute, not in theaters. Discovery through rental. The old way of living with diabetes is a pain. You've got to remember to do your testing and always need to stick your fingers to test your blood sugar. The new way to live your life with diabetes is with a continuous glucose monitor. Apply a discrete sensor on your body and it continuously monitors your glucose levels, helping you spend more time in range and freeing you from painful finger sticks. If you are living with type 1 or type 2 diabetes and you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, you might be eligible for a CGM through your insurance benefits. U.S. Med partners with over 500 private insurance companies and Medicare. We offer free shipping, 90-day supplies, and we bill your insurance. Call us today for a free benefits check. 800-437-1424. 800-437-1424. That's 800-437-1424. When you go to Las Vegas, you have to know what you're going to go see, and there's no better place on the web to go than VitalVegas.com. You hear Scott Robin, our Vegas insider, every week. What are people going to find when they go to your site, Scott? Everything you need to know about Las Vegas from shows and restaurants restaurants and a lot of inside dirt that you won't hear anywhere else and a lot of photos too and a lot of snark right that is the case (laughs) yes you can't miss it vitalvegas.com do you own a timeshare well face the facts you made a mistake you made a bad purchase a timeshare is not an investment it's a money pit that continues forever if you use your timeshare that's great but if you don't and you want to legally get out of your contract call my friends right now at the timeshare exit hotline they're an experienced team of lawyers who help good people like you get out of a timeshare contract that they just don't want Don't throw away your money on maintenance fees. Use it for things you really want. We can help you end your timeshare contract and stop the money drain immediately. If you are ready to move on with your timeshare, call our team right now. Cancel your timeshare now with a free call. 800-824-5131. 800-824-5131. 800-824-5131. That's 800-824-5131. 
Welcome back to Sports Rockin' Tours. Here again is Stephen Maggi. Welcome back to Sports Rockin' Tours. You are listening to Art Rooney Jr. of the Pittsburgh Steelers. When Chuck Knoll became the coach in 1969, he teamed with the scouting department headed by Rooney to draft nine Hall of Fame players, in addition to adding 11 more, nine draft picks and two undrafted rookies, from 1969 to 1974, who would earn four Super Bowl rings with the team during the 1970s. You know, you built a team that not only was this a great team for a whole decade and beyond, but also you did it at a time when also, I think the 70s had some amazing teams because that Raider team was amazing they had, the Dolphins were incredible for a few years, and the Cowboys. And yet, I think of all of them, the Steelers had the longest, the longest level of just dominance, and just and the Steel Curtain. Is, it, there still really has been nothing like that. You know, I was so lucky. You know, hard work, and dedication. You know, going, it goes toward your your, your luck. Everyone says that my dad was the luckiest uh, horse player you know there ever was, and he uh, he said, "Yeah, he said I'm I'm a big believer of uh, you know that type of luck and that, but you, you the time you put in it." Because I remember we used to be out on the road. And he'd, be, he'd go to the racetrack early in the morning. You know, the ones to work out. And he always would go in and buy all the working stiffs, uh, either breakfast or lunch at the, uh, the cat track kitchen. He, and, and he was a smart guy, you know, he could come here and listen and pick up all this information. He, he told me once, you know, I told you when we started out, I said, you know, you can go out for dinner and take some of the, your friends, your scouts with you, but no booze. And and I did, and I picked up so so many uh, things from just relaxing with uh, you know, other scouts and things like that. And, uh, well, yeah. your your family, you know, as I think of it, you know, there were there were teams, you know, heck, the Raiders. I mean, they couldn't stand the Steelers, right? That was their enemy. But the one thing you'd never hear anything bad about was the Roonies, particularly your dad. I mean, you just heard nothing. Everybody liked him. It must have been great growing up like that because he just seems. At least everything I heard was, you know, just a great guy. He, he was that. He he, he uh, was going to the racetrack up in Boston one time, and some pals of his picked him up and took him to the racetrack. We was up there in Aragasset, I don't know. And he was getting out of the car, and this lady came up and uh, was crying. And uh, she said, I thought I could beat the horses, and I spent all my money, my rent money, my food money, and everything. And that was back when 100 bucks was a lot of money. She said, could you just spot me 100 bucks? He says, "Yeah, yeah, here." And so uh, he was with these two Boston guys, and so he gave him, gave the gal a hundred bucks. And they said, uh, "They were laughing." They said, "That's that's uh, Winnie the Weeper." He said, "She pulls this and all. She knows, she's here all the time. She knows the guy's a pick. She took a look at you and figured you were an easy mark." <laughs> and he said, "Look," he said, I, "I've been around these places forever. I I knew she was a phony." He said, "But well, she wasn't." He said, "I could I could afford a hundred bucks. What if she's telling the truth?" <laughs> and uh, I mean that was his attitude. Another time, uh, uh, a guy told me that uh, was asking me for an autograph or something. He says, "You know, when I was a kid, he said I lived way on the other side of Pittsburgh." And he said, "I, I uh, took the bu- the bus in. You know, there's a parade or something." This guy was telling me this, and he said, uh, "He says, and then the big kids beat me up and took my money, my bus money." He's telling dad this, and he said. And, uh, he said, I, he was crying, and my dad just walked around, what's wrong, kid? And he said, uh, he, the big guys stole my money off me and beat me up. And so he said, Where, where's the bus? And he said, well, right here. And uh, he said, it's not going to be here about the, not for a half hour. So my dad uh, sat down with him and waited for the bus and got on the bus with him. 
I gave the bus I gave the kid a buck or two bucks, and he uh, told the gave the bus driver whatever the other class was and said, "Well, watch out for this kid. The other big guys are picking on." And so, uh, you know, the, the, the guy drove away, and the kid told me, and I was an adult. He says, and uh, the driver said, "You know that guy was." And he said, uh, "Oh, he's just a nice man." He says, "That's Art Rooney. He is a stealer." But one one time when he was a really an old man, he left the fancy club in Pittsburgh, the Duquesne Club, and uh, it was a beautiful day. And now he's an old man. He thought, "Well, I can walk over the stadium from here." He said, "He he walked one block, and he said, oh, my gosh.'" He said, "I can't do this." And there's no cabs around, and here's the bus stop. And he uh, went up to the bus. He said, "Do you go to the north side?" He said, "Well, I'm going to the car barn over there on the north side." He, he said, "Can it be okay if I ride over there with you?" And the guy says, "Sure." He says, and "So they're going to go over the bridge." And the the bus driver says, uh, "The other passenger." He says, "Do you mind if we give a chief a ride to the stadium?" And he said, "Oh, okay, okay." <laughs> They drove him right to the steward office in the stadium. That's what he became, you yeah. know, that kind of a guy. You know. But he was, he was a special guy, but he uh, he always told his sons, he says, uh, treat everybody the way you want to be treated, but never, ever allow people to mistake kindness for weakness. You know. Getting back to what you did with the scouting and so forth, was there ever a time you had to lobby really hard? Like, for example, I understand that you, I had heard that you had really lobbied hard for Franco Harris, that they keep him over some other running back or pick him over some other running backs. Uh, did those type of things happen, and was that true about Harris? The way we would do it, we'd meet like in the morning on uh, quarterbacks, in the afternoon on running backs, the next morning wide receivers, tight ends. And then the offensive lineman. You know, you spend a half day on each uh, position, and then the position coach was be in there with you. And so Franco, I kept on bringing him up, and, and Chuck went uh, like the Bobby Newhouse, who ended up being a real good football player. And so uh, I kept on bringing him up, and I'd call Scott's on the phone. You know, not with Chuck there. So I finally called George Young. You know, he's he's just getting in the Hall of Fame this year. He he became he and Butler my two real close friends. He, and George, before I say anything, I talked to him, and he said, man, you have a sad voice. He says, is Chuck pulling your chain again? Because he's a real good friend of Knowles, too. Mm-hmm. I said, well, he thinks that Bobby Lewis is better than Franco Harris. He said, well, you go and tell Chuck that this was settled 2,300 years ago. And George was a history teacher. And I said, what's that? He said, Socrates said a good big man is better than a good little man any day. <laughs> so I, I went back to the, to the next meeting and we're all through talking about running backs. I said, I just talked to George. George? He said, I said, George Young. Yeah, he said, what did he say to you? He said, a good big man's better than a good... Socrates said, a good big man's better than a good little man. He said, hey, he, he always gets back to being a teacher. He said, uh, he, he had to take things, uh, George says, with a grain of salt. But he, he was a good friend of George. And uh, and we got lucky on that one, too. We had a guy named Dan Radakovich who had coached up at uh, Penn State and then came with us, and was going, actually going somewhere else, and uh, was helping out in the draft. And so it, it, the, the last thing, he uh, we called Radakovich in. He's not even working for us anymore. But, you know, my, my dad said, keep him around. He's a good guy. I think, Dad, want to keep him on the payroll for a little bit longer. You know? mm-hmm. So he said, uh, he said, Franco is not a bad guy. Because it got down to that, you know, he was a horse's ass or something. He said, he's not a bad guy at all. He said, uh, he said, he can, he can be a moody kind of guy in that. He said, but he, he's a 100 percenter. And uh, sure enough, we uh, drafted uh, Franco. And I think he was rookie of the year. 
and we the next draft we were uh, looking at film of a big back from Miami, and Jack had kind of a chip on his shoulder for real big backs. He looked, he thought the more maneuverable guys, you know. And so I'm in the film room with uh, a couple of the coaches, and uh, and Jack comes in, and he says uh, he, he says boy that guy's big, yeah tall. He says well you know how I feel about tall guys. He said, well, I guess I'm wrong about him like I was for that big guy from Penn State last year. And so he walks out, and one of the coaches turns the light on. He says, Art, he said, uh, that's as close as you're going to get. Chuck Noll was saying you were right and I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have to take this opportunity and do one thing because you know the history of this team. Obviously, you grew up in it. And I just kind of wanted to go a little about, first of all, the, the old story. Is it true that your dad bought the team with racetrack winnings? Well, I got the team for twenty five hundred bucks, which was that was more money during the depression than enough. He worked very hard. You know, the racing, like I told you, he would go to the the clock in the morning and and go and buy you know, all the working stuffs, you know, their breakfast or lunch. You know, but uh, and make it not look like he was trying to buy their information or anything, he, which he may have been, but make it look like him. But yeah, I, I'm sure that had a, a factor. One of the factors, you know, in buying and keep the team going more in a moment with art rooney jr who as director of scouting led the steelers to the dynasty teams of the 70s and 80s you are listening to sports rock and tours with Stephen maggi coast to coast on the talk media network Hi, everyone. Al Roker here. As a guy with his own catchphrase, I appreciate that Smokey's only said, Only you can prevent wildfires. But I'm filling in because there's a lot more to report. Like when there are parched or windy conditions out there, you got to be extra careful with things like burning yard waste. After all, wildfires can start anywhere, even in your neck of the woods. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Did Louis the Coin really soak the sheets with red wine in Rome? Yes. Did he really tell a federal court after testing positive for cocaine in his 70s that he only used coke for sex? Yes. Well, you can get these tales and more in the great book, You Thought It Was More, Adventures of the World's Greatest Counterfeiters. It's available now at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or at louisthecoinbook.com. That's Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or at louisthecoinbook.com. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-437-1424. 800-437-1424. That's 800-437-1424. Holy Gentle Giants dog food, Batman. I'm Burt Ward, Robin from the Batman TV series. I was the caped crusader, and now I'm the canine crusader. After rescuing and feeding 15,500 dogs for 23 years, my wife and I created a natural, low-fat, heart-healthy, made-in-America dog food and special feeding and care program designed to help all dogs live amazingly longer, healthier, happier lives. Our dogs are living as long as 27 healthy, active years. 
Yours can too. That's twice their normal lifespan and triple for some breeds. Would you like your dog to live as long as 27 years and still be active and healthy? Gentle Giants Dog Food is complete nutrition for all dogs and puppies, all ages and sizes, and is different from other dog foods without the greasy coating and high fat content that can shorten your dog's life. Try our Gentle Giants life-enhancing dog food for the longer, healthier, happier life of your dog. Now you can get generic Viagra shipped to your door for about $2 a pill. Get the same impact for less. Call Steel Man Pills now and get the same blue pill for about $2 a pill. Call now for the 50-pill special and save even more. Plus, get a free bonus. 800-979-4317. 800-979-4317. That's 800-979-4317. This is Sports Tours on Talk Media Network. Now, here again, Stephen Maggi. Welcome back to Sports Tours. You are listening to Art Rooney Jr., who became the Steelers scouting director and worked in that department during the formation of the great Super Bowl teams of the 1970s. You know, you know they told me one time, rather late in his life, I thought it was a very moving story, that... Uh, he, he, they brought Wizard White in, you know, Byron White, and, you know, became a, a Supreme Court justice. And uh, and he paid. He was the highest paid guy in the league, I think, fifteen thousand five hundred. And in the middle of the season, you know, White was the leading ground gainer in the league that year. But in the middle of the season, White came to my dad. And he says, "Art," he said, "You give me enough money." He said, "You can't, uh, you can't afford this. It's not fair." My dad says, "No, no, I can, I can afford it." He said, "Well, just." Don't pay me anything more and give my money to the other players. Dad did do that, and he paid paid White. You know. mm-hmm. I don't know if he had a big day at a racetrack or something. But my dad, real late in his life, you know, I don't know if uh, you know, uh, Judge White had just died or what, and he said, I think he was one of the most classy guys I ever met in my life. Wow. He said he went to give up his salary, like mid-season, late-season, to pay the other players. You know, he said he didn't have it. I wouldn't allow him to do that, though, yeah. When he bought them, they were actually the Pirates, correct? If I remember well, right. Well, you named it, that's how the teams did. You named it after the Pittsburgh Pirates. And I don't know, let's see, uh, they they were the Pirates. The war came up, and they had a merge with the Eagles. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Burt Bell was his partner and uh, the coach. And uh, they they were really good friends. But uh, then the next year, just to, just to keep the team going, you know what I mean? They purged with the Cardinals. He was a real good friend of the Pitbulls. And uh, they called they, they called him the, the, the Stiggles with the Eagles. And they, they had a pretty good team. They, they won five or six games. And the next year, uh, the Eagles went on their own. I think they won the championship. But then uh, he got in with the Cardinals, you know, the Pitbulls. And they were, called, they were the Cardinals. We were Pittsburgh. They called them the, the Card Pits. The team, I think they won a half of a game or something. <laughs> and they, and they, and they called them the carpets. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then the next year the war was over. And then, yeah, yeah, it's amazing, though. That was important that you guys did that, right? Because with yeah, World War up, II. It ended up being, yeah, the key. You, you need to have the teams, even though there were a lot of 4F guys, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, you, you had to have a certain number of tip players to have what, what I guess is happening now with the virus, you know what I mean? That, uh, yeah. You had to put the show on, and they they did. Uh, I remember we went up to the uh, the practice field. I was just a little kid. I was born in 35, so that would be 44. 
the uh, soldiers are marching on the practice field. And I was more, more impressed with the uh, the soldiers marching than I was with the practice. You know what I mean? You know. <laughs> yeah. Which just had to be so fulfilling after all those years of struggle and, like you say, a quest to see that all come through in the 70s and then really beyond the – even after that incredible yeah, well, we, 70s. We, 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 we you know, set up the methodology, and they still use it. I was surprised. They, you know, they invited me in one of their scouting meetings you know, up at camp, and you know, the methodology was uh, very, very much the same you know, that we had. So, yeah, despite all the, the computers and all that sort of thing, the basic philosophy has stayed straight then. Yeah, well, the computers really helped because we ended up with so much information, it became paralysis of analysis, you know. Yeah. With the computer, you know, it, it was a rapid book. You set, you know, you, what you, uh, perimeters you wanted. And, you know, it did a lot of things for you that uh, would just take hours and hours to sit down and do it by hand like you used to. But one of the things you did by hand, you know, uh, we're all college guys. You, uh, you know, you knew how to study that. And you really learned the players and all the nuances you know, by that. Two more things, Art, and one I find fascinating, and that is people that don't know you, you know, you're an outstanding writer and a world-class illustrator, and how did you get in with your entire life being in sports, you know, football, how did you get into those things? Were they kind of a happy hobby that, that you just got much better at as times went on, or what was it? I participated in football, and I was sorry to say I wasn't that good, but I participated in it, and, uh, you know, high school and college. Like I say, I, my dad gave me a job when I got married selling tickets. And that was a very educational job because if you didn't have a proper stadium, which was one of the reasons when we got uh, Three Rivers, you know, the, you know, got us in the bigs and the big legs, you learn how to study. And I, I was never an illustrator. I always hired illustrators, you know. I couldn't, I couldn't draw a straight line. My brother Dan was pretty good. I, I couldn't draw a straight line. But I, I liked that stuff. And I, uh, like I say, it was an honor and a privilege to go around representing the Steelers and my dad and, uh, you know, be able to work with Chuck Noll and, uh, you know, the Scots. And, well, let me yeah. ask you one last question then. I think it's a great w- a way to wrap up this fascinating conversation, and that is, do you think the NFL is as much fun as it was back when your dad was running the Steelers and so forth? I mean, there's a lot of changes now. It's big, big, big business, you know, and you think about your family really is, I guess, like the Davises. It's really unique now because you don't see a lot of that anymore. Yeah, well, the the thing about it is that uh, you know, I don't know who was said to me. Fun, fun, funds for the poor people. We're, we've got responsibilities here. We have to be good. You know what I mean, yeah. You know, but uh, but you 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 really did fall in love with it. You know the the you know the interaction with the uh, the Scots and the coaches and the players and uh yeah no no and i uh never like dan was real tight with him and i was never friendly with him until years and years later you know and uh i think the thing i really learned it was from him tremendous amount of football but but the uh you know it's a very was a very 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 good person and very very uh you know hard working and as fair as fair can be when and Gilliam had greatness about him, but Joey was a cursed guy. You know, I, I mean, he had a real nice mom and dad and that, but uh, and brothers and that. But he, you know, he he was a guy that was became addicted to drugs and he couldn't shake it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Had a lot of opportunities to just you know, had times when he would, uh, but he he could have. Uh, it never truly got to the point which you 
question you ask because you know of his uh, curse he had. You know, I mean, it, you know, if you if you only got a chance and that stuff would be good. And you know, the next thing it, uh, you know, the old thing they used to say that the booze was the, the curse of the Irish. Well, boy, they, the curse for Tech Joey and but a lot of black and white guys was uh, you know the narcotics. Was there anybody? On some of the other teams that you just got along with, great that you particularly were were fond of, you know, besides guys in the your own organization. Oh, sure, George Young with the Giants. George just made the Hall of Fame this year, you know, and, uh, and, uh, yeah, George and uh, oh, uh, yeah, a number of them. I always got along with Bucko, and Bucko was sort of a you know a, a Mexican Raider with a bandoliers around his check. You know, but he always was real nice to me. I think he did like my dad and Bert Bell. And he's always trying to give me scouting tips all the time. I, I sure talk him, you know, but uh, he asked me once, uh, he, he says, what's, what's the main thing a receiver has to have? And I said, I run the show off. I says, you know, quickness, body control, getting in a good position to catch the ball, vision. He says, ah, stop right there. He says, the first thing is hands, the second thing are hands, the third thing's hands, and the fourth thing's hands. If they can't coach... If they can't catch, they're just going to break your heart. Don't think a guy that doesn't have great hands. You know? But I wasn't a real close friend of his, but he, he was always nice to me. But I, I got real real friendly with uh, a lot of the scouts. Like my dad told me, he said, take all those scouts out to dinner. But they, they would end up, you know, one of the, the secrets of the whole thing, you used to rate the guys by position, and you would draft by position. And that was a killer, because you were passing up Say you wanted an offensive tackle, and uh, you're drafting in a very meaningful round. Like, you know, you were in the top ten picks. And you pass so many just to draft a position where on the prospects, regardless of positions, you may have three guys you figure could be Hall of Famer someday, you know, barring injuries and that stuff. And you pass them. So the thing you had to do is draft, especially when you had this already, you draft the great players, the ones with, you know what I mean? You know, just don't go by position. And we did that with Chuck throughout the draft. You know. So that was all we, the way through, not, not just the first couple uh, rounds, but all the way well, through? Well, we we, with Chuck, we would go and, uh, you know, I'm not saying you didn't lean that way. You know what I'm saying? If you had two guys who were rated the same, but but if you, you had the guy sticking out there, why is he, the big the question went, why, why did he last this long? Is he on drugs? That was after Joey. That was, uh, is he on drugs? Uh is he a criminal? You know, at one time he was a great player, and heck, he was in a slammer. You know, and uh, and Chuck didn't, he wasn't for drafting guys that were that you know serious type of dry, position, you know, drugs and you know criminal instincts and that stuff. But we we weren't drafting like my dad always said. Well, you know, they're not daughter boys, you know, or <laughs> choir boys. You know. Art Rooney, thank you so much. What a pleasure to talk with you, and uh, thanks for sharing some time. And we hope to have you on again. This was a lot of fun for me. It was great. Well, I I probably have a few more, a couple more bullets in my gun. Follow us on all social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And thanks for listening today. This is Stephen Manji. Do you own an annuity, either fixed rate, indexed, or variable? Are you paying high fees and getting low returns? If so, Annuity General would like you to have this free book to learn the pitfalls and mistakes of buying an annuity. The Annuity Do's and Don'ts for Baby Boomers contains the little-known truths about annuities. 
like how to help reduce your fees and increase retirement income. And it's free. That's right, free. As a bonus, we'll also throw in a free annuity rate report just for calling. We researched over 1,000 annuities and summarized rates and benefits from financially strong insurers. You get annuity do's and don'ts for baby boomers and the annuity rate report, both absolutely free for calling Annuity General today. Hurry, supplies are limited. Call now. 800 653 8302. 800 653 8302. That's 